1: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories,
2: change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT and T. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. T-I-K-A dot com.
0: Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking.
4: Hey there and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says Kitty McGee's in Dublin town upon the crawl. I'm Jonathan Strickland.
3: I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And
4: I'm Joe McCormick. And today...
3: Yes, Joe?
4: We're going to be talking about... The Crawl. We are talking about The Crawl.
3: Not a pub crawl.
4: No, sadly, not a pub crawl, which is what I was referring to in the lyric, but that is not what we're talking about the today. The Crawl.
1: The Crawl. What is that? Is that the name of a movie that was like a it was like a fantasy movie from the 80s? Or it sounds
4: like a, like no, a castle horror crawl. film. I'm
1: thinking Crawl. Oh,
4: yeah. That's a science Similar. fiction fantasy film with a, a phenomenal one, I might add. <laughs> Phenomenal science fiction fantasy film.
1: Okay, so why would we be talking about a crawl that's not a pub crawl and not a sci-fi fantasy movie?
3: And it's not the future of babies crawling.
1: Right. No. It has something to do with the internet.
4: Yes. <laughs> it has everything to do with the internet, in fact. The
1: web in particular, yes, actually. Yes, uh, And here's a funny little uh, little tidbit of information that you probably already knew, but... You might be a little bit fuzzy on, wait, what's the difference between the web and the internet? Because when I say the internet, most of the time what I'm talking about is the place where people leave comments and
4: argue about things. Which would be the web mostly. Right. Yeah. right. So internet is the network of networks of computers, right? So you've got all these different computer networks that then connect to a larger backbone that allow all these various networks to interact and communicate with one another. That is the internet The World Wide Web is one thing that sits on top of this network of networks, other things being email and FTP servers and uh, other stuff that uses the Internet as its method of transmitting data to and from different computers. Uh, But the World Wide Web is often what we think of with the Internet because it is a very forward-facing part of the Web – or the Internet, rather.
1: Right. One way to think about the Web is that it's a gigantic collection of interactive documents.
4: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, some of those documents are very static – and they don't change frequently or at all, mm-hmm. some, some of, those, of them are more like programs, or right, sort of, yeah. yeah, yeah, some of them are more like like whiteboards where you know stuff is being put up and taken down and put up and taken down constantly, mm-hmm. so uh, some
3: of them link to lots of other documents, yep, some do not,
4: yep, so you some are applications right, so you you've got the, this massive number of documents, and when we say massive uh it's hard to. Put it all into context. First of all, if you talk about all the information that uh, we have created.
3: Not us, but humanity.
4: Humanity itself. Yeah, no, the three of us have done our share. But no, <laughs> humanity overall, all the information that has been created. Well, back in 2012, that was estimated to be at 2.8 zettabytes. Oh, that's not that much. 2.8 trillion gigabytes. Trillion gigabytes I think of data—that's bigger than my hard drive. Significantly so, yeah. If your hard drive can hold 2.8 zettabytes, I need to see your gaming rig, sir. <laughs> I think I've
1: downloaded 2.8 zettabytes of uh pirated anime before.
4: <laughs> oh, I was going to say I have 2.8 zettabytes of Skyrim mods. But uh so no, not all of this data is necessarily available for access on the web, right? This is just data that we have created. So, uh, let's let's narrow it down and look at the information that's actually on the web. So the web has between 10 billion and 1 trillion documents on it. Now that's a huge range. But it tells you that it's hard to make an estimate about something that, one, is so big and, two, is rapidly evolving.
1: Right. right? There are always things being uh, added to it and deleted from it.
4: Yeah. You have servers that go offline from the internet. If those servers had web pages on them – those, unless they've been mirrored onto other servers, are no longer accessible. They have they have left the web.
3: Mm-hmm, sure, other people deleting their MySpace accounts. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, why would you do that? <laughs> Look, I have so few friends there, <laughs> but so many awesome bands. Uh, yeah. Uh, so no,
1: seriously, true moment. Does MySpace still exist? Yes, it yeah. does. It's largely. How recently did you check?
4: Um, oh, probably, certainly not today. Probably then eight months ago. Yeah, let's look it up. The past year. Yeah, because it's a, it's a music discovery site more than anything else now. Oh yeah,
1: here we go, myspace.com. Oh, oh, it's, It's breaking my browser. I was
4: about to say, why did you go to that? You (laughs) realize that MySpace is like the home of the autoplay music file, right? Oh no, we just talked about how that's like my least favorite thing. Well, let's not, let's not invoke the, the, the autoplay AutoPlay music gods. gods. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the reason why we're even talking (laughs) about how much information is on the web and how many documents there are out there is that the web, you can think of the web as representing the world's largest database of information and that information Information spans every topic imaginable.
1: Yeah, and there's lots of great stuff out there that might be really relevant to you. It might have answers to questions that you have, or it might just be very interesting to you. But a strange question that you may never have considered is, how do I get the stuff that I want to get from the web, I mean, right. you know how you get it in practical terms. Well, sure. you go, you sit down at Google and you type <laughs> in some terms, or first you first uh, Google, yeah, yeah, or you or you maybe have some kind of uh, aggregator, like a friend on social media or some kind of thing. That's RSS reader, RSS- RSS reader. Uh, sure. yeah, that's
3: or, or, or pulling maybe, content, yeah. uh, right, or, or perhaps you have received the direct URL of a website that you wish to visit.
4: Yep. You sure. might You might have one in particular in mind that you go to frequently. Yeah, and so... yeah
3: like dinosaurcomics.com.
4: Oh, awesome. Good sure. example. Yeah. So there are all these different ways, but let's say that you want to use the web to do something beyond just visiting a particular web page. Right. If you right. know the
1: URL, that's pretty simple. Right. But – what if you you're just trying to find something yeah maybe that you, you don't even know what that thing is
4: or or you know what that thing is but nobody has gathered that and placed it into an easily digestible piece of information so in other words let's say that you're looking at some sort of statistical uh um result that you want to know you want to know the percentage of People who drove red cars in 2012 who ended up getting uh, speeding tickets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this sort of thing, like there may be a web page out there that has that specific answer on it, but there may not be. However, there may be the data out there that exists across multiple web pages in multiple places that could answer that question for you, but there's no easy way – for the average person to be able to collect and collate all that data, analyze it, and get to a meaningful answer.
3: Especially not quickly, because if you wanted to go through the entire internet to try to find that information, It would take you a minute.
4: Yeah, it would take quite some time. So what we wanted to do is talk. (laughs) Quite some time. Yeah. Well, again, depending upon what it is you're looking for, right? Because in some cases, you may have very little information and it may take you some time just to make sure that the information that you do have is worthy of consideration. Or you may have the opposite problem. Let's say you want to look at anything that has to do with about cats, Good grief you're going to have so much information on the internet on yeah. on the web that relates to cats that finding the you know separating the the signal from the noise would take you a really long time so
3: Sure and uh this problem is already has a solution and that is why we are today talking about web crawlers
4: Yeah and web crawlers are something that have been around for about as long as the web has been around because people re- realized early on that in order to make the web really user friendly, especially once it grew beyond a collection of, you know, a, a, three
3: a, computers, right? <laughs> yeah,
4: three computers with 12 web pages all together. Once you get past all of that and you, you get to a point where it really is growing rapidly, you need a way to navigate through the web and find the stuff you're interested uh, in
3: you need an you need an index
4: yeah you have to have that index cuz otherwise the only other option you have is to know the address of a particular web page and then to just follow whatever links that web page happens to have and then once you hit a dead end you got to backtrack and you know it's kind of like a choose your own adventure book and it's a choose your own adventure book that's that isn't even connected to all the pages that you need, right? So indexing is a way of creating a means to find web pages about any given keyword, right? And again, this is a big, big uh, job. You can't expect this to be something that only humans are doing under human power. It would take way too long and it would be exhausting. So there have to be automated ways to index web pages. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, just consider the ridiculousness of the alternative. So let's say you are searching for a term and that term is, uh, I don't know, uh, lobster baseball. Somewhere out there, there might be a page about lobster baseball, but it would not be a good way to find it to say, well, I'm going to ping every web server in the world – And see if it's offering any public pages that say lobster baseball on them.
4: Yeah, that would not – especially you know, as the web grows and gets larger and larger and larger, that task becomes impossible. It would just – it would take your computer longer than your lifespan to complete the job, especially considering that, as we mentioned before, the web is constantly changing. So we would have new web servers joining while you're still doing this pinging operation, which means you just have – you know, you've added more that you have to ping before you're done. You never finish. So, what's the solution? Well, uh, web crawlers would be would be the solution, Joe. Uh, web crawlers and search engines are our favorite things uh, here at How Stuff Works. I mean, if <laughs> if it weren't for them, our jobs would be significantly more difficult. Yes. So. Uh, let's say that you've got, alright, so, so look, look, to, to break it down, we've got web servers that have web pages on them, right? Right. We so have that's, bro- a computer, that's
1: a computer somewhere out there. Yes. It's got a public-facing document that it will show you if you ask for
4: it. Right. Mm-hmm. And your browser is the way that you ask for it, right? Yeah. So your browser is your conduit to getting the information that is stored on other computers that may be on completely different networks on another, on another part of the world even. And the fact that you have a browser, that is what allows you to have the access to that document that exists on that other page. Uh, but those servers could have really funky names. Um, the web pages may not have a title that is, is identical to what it is that you're looking for, but the information may be in that page.
3: Uh, sure. For, to, to use my prior example, dinosaurcomics.com used to be known only as quants.com.
4: Perfect. With the QW,
3: the way that you sometimes spell words. Yeah,
4: much, yes, exactly. <laughs> the yeah. way, the way words are never spelled in English. Uh, yeah, I, I, my example in my notes I wrote was that, let's say that you're looking for funny cat memes, and the funniest memes happen to be on a page that has the title, Things FDR Definitely Didn't Say. <laughs> well, the title of the page wouldn't tell you that there are cat memes on there. You would need something to have searched that page to understand what actually appears on that page, the context within which it appears, and to be able to serve that up to you. And that's really where the crawlers come in. They, they build out these indexes of words and where to find those wor- words on the web. Like uh, they use lots of – they use – well, actually pretty simple software. Uh, they, they are often referred to as either robots or spiders. And they're called spiders because they crawl the web. That is Get too it? good. Get it? Yeah, alright, so here's where we, uh, mention that most of these terms. So wait, are we the flies? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> good, uh, good question. I mean...
3: I think we're the, uh, hams? I'm not sure.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... So here's where we mentioned that a lot of these terms were all invented around the same time and uh boy when we when we go with a metaphor we just go whole spider. So <laughs> um so all right so spiders typically start by traveling to web servers that have lots of traffic, the ones that are the most popular, and they explore the most popular web pages and start to build up the index of words of those web pages. Then all the links that are on those popular web pages the spiders start to follow those links and index those pages in turn and then do the same thing over and over and over again so they just you know it's it is like a spider web or a a crack in the glass where you see it splintering over and over while the glass shatters same sort of thing it's following all those potential pathways and they can Hold hundreds of pages open at a time. We're talking like 300 pages a second. So
3: okay. they're doing more this- than I can do. Yes,
4: uh, more than Google Chrome will allow me to have open before my computer says, "Listen, I give up." <laughs> uh, so, depending on the crawler, the spiders will index these pages based upon which words appear in the page and where those words actually appear in that page, like in what context. So you may remember in the early days of the web before web search engines got really sophisticated, that some people would make a web page and then just litter the bottom of the page with tons of random words that were doing really well in search.
3: Uh, Mostly because they had ads served on the page of the type that they got money from per page view.
1: So I might have a –
4: Metallica, Britney Spears. Right. Yeah, it would often be celebrity rumors and gossip, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and just you know, random. All, all
3: on your creamed corn recipe. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah it'd be yeah. weird stuff. Like totally, some of it would be disturbing to read. You're like, wow, I can't believe that that. To know that this particular term is a very popular search term is disturbing. Others would just yeah, be like
1: Metallica. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah I'm more of an a c d c kind of guy myself so i'm I'm with you there so anyway uh you know this was a way of fooling search engines into into indexing that page on multiple indexes. So that it would appear, no matter what search you put in, your page would pop up. You, as a, as saying, if you, assuming you are the one who are administering this web page, you have no ethics. <laughs> like <laughs> you don't care if people come to your page and are completely disappointed because it has nothing to do with the search term they put in there. You just want to get those sweet, sweet clicks. You just need the page views because you need to pay the bills, right? So uh search engines and spiders got more sophisticated. So they were able to look for the placement of words, where it fell on the page, whether or not it appeared more than once within a page to understand if a page really was about that particular search term, Mm -hmm. right? Or if it was just one of those things where the word happened to appear once, it may be a saying or a quote that has very little to do with the actual substance of the rest of the page. You know, this would help the search engine rank the page in search.
3: Uh right, right. So the final product of of these spiders doing this indexing is called a crawl. Yeah. And and it's essentially a, a lightweight copy of the World Wide Web. Yep. Um that's built to be much more easily searched than the whole web itself. Uh, and, and a crawl usually consists, therefore, of this huge cache of data about the web, including, like, the, the text of each page, its spiders encountered, uh, the code that constructed those pages, you know, HTML or et cetera, uh, and a certain amount of metadata. Um, you know, certainly the page's URL and maybe the tags, as we discussed, that's not always as useful as it used to be due yeah. to uh, scammy stuff. But, yeah, so... so Creating a crawl is a huge project in terms of time and computer equipment and drive space and spider programming and just sheer Internet bandwidth.
4: Right. So for the longest time, this is something that was really only accessible by big corporations. Yeah. Like Google or Microsoft, Yahoo, that like kind of that stuff.
3: Like that level. Yeah,
4: yeah. We're talking huge companies that have the computer power and the bandwidth to pull this sort of stuff off on a on a regular basis and while those are incredibly useful for us as consumers if we are looking for a specific piece of information that happens to live somewhere on a web page if we want to do more of a big data analysis something where we need to collate the information across multiple perhaps hundreds or thousands of web pages it's not easy yeah. right we don't have those tools for the most part.
3: Uh, right, right. Because when you go to Google, you you can't access that level of information. Yeah, you can you can ask, uh, you know, what Hugh Grant was doing last week. Right.
4: But yeah, you can get the most popular or the the highest ranking search results, which could give you at least some useful information. But again, if you want to do a, a a widespread study on a specific thing. Uh, unless someone's already done it, in which case you may just need to replicate their their study to make sure that it was correct, um, <laughs> you, you're kind of out of luck. So where can someone turn? Let's say that it's a, a researcher who's working on something and they, they don't work for one of these big companies. Where can they turn to leverage the incredible asset that is the World Wide Web?
3: One Gil Elbaz started up a nonprofit corporation called the Common Crawl Foundation and it has been since then working on providing public publicly accessible free crawls mm. to anyone who wants to use them and uh, Elbez is a really interesting dude, a little bit of background on him. Um, he co-founded a company back in the nineties called Applied Semantics, which created software that matched ads to web pages like contextually and automatically.
1: Oh, we know a little bit about that.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, this prompted Google to acquire them in 2003 for like 102 million bucks. So not doing too bad for himself. Also, that's, that's essentially the reason why Google AdSense exists. That is the programming that led to Google AdSense. Yeah. So So,
4: very, very uh, practical application of that contextual understanding.
3: Right, right. Um, In 2008, interestingly, and kind of a side note, he founded a company called Factual, which uh, seeks to gather and analyze global location data in order to create a repository of really high quality, easily accessible location data that's uh, well, Factual. Um, and and com- companies like Bing and Samsung and Yelp all use Factual's data to construct local maps and personalized advertising for mobile consumers. Hmm. So, uh, so pretty nifty stuff. Uh, and what I am saying is that Elbaz is passionate about and experienced with big data.
4: Right. And we've talked about it before on this podcast that big data – is, you know, it sounds like one of those just buzz industry terms, but it really is one of those things that holds a huge amount of potential to uh, affect our lives in different ways, assuming that we've developed the right means to analyze that massive amount of information that's and out there. And
3: to collect it in the first place. Mm-hmm.
4: Sure. And once you
1: have a way of processing, of collecting and being able to access and process vast amounts of data, you can do a lot of amazing things. Uh, like big data and the ability to process it might be the key to, say, for example, computational modeling that predicts complex social phenomena sure. by analyzing big data coming from social media and from news and from weather and from all kinds of
4: sources. It could or really mean that we are able to actually see elements of order in what previously appeared to be a truly chaotic system, mm-hmm. which is kind of exciting. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then on the other hand, a lot of people think that big data
1: could be one of the ways that we finally achieve that next level of artificial intelligence Mm. by having machines sort of plumb the depths of this data with self-teaching and self-learning mechanisms. Right. Well, let's get
4: back to the common crawl.
3: Okay. uh, right. So the foundation began compiling crawls back in 2008. Uh, The most recent one that they released as of this podcast at the end of May 2015 uh, was from April 2015. Uh, it was some 168 terabits in size. Terabytes. Terabytes in size. That's huge. That's big. Uh, and contains some 2.1 billion web pages.
1: That's not that many, really.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you can I wrote.
4: Better. I wrote 47 million web pages before breakfast. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not
3: uh, do that. Ooh, was... I'm
4: just kidding. No, that's a lot.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a bunch. Um, uh...
1: <laughs> but so they're, they're continuously indexing
4: and releasing new crawls. Right. It's not like it's here's the Internet and now we're done. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, yeah. They've been releasing a new crawl every month since July of 2014.
4: That's I mean, that's incredible. You think about the amount of work that does. It also means that you have like a a, a time a timestamp like mm-hmm. photograph of what the web was at that moment from yeah. these oh, crawls. Weird.
3: Yeah, yeah. I hadn't yeah. thought about it quite that way before, but yeah, that's...
4: It's kind of, you know, it's, it's, things that may not exist from one month to the next, you could actually see and... and...
3: Watch those trends. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah,
1: I'd say one of the main ways that I often encounter uh, <laughs> web archives is when I'm trying to find evidence of something somebody did in the past that they wanted... Expunge, go and away forever. Right. This makes it sound like I'm some kind of detective. Not like <laughs> I'm trying to find, but you, you know what I'm talking about. No, I know. People I, will post something and then they'll be like, oh, wait a minute. No, that was a bad idea. I know and then if you they'll use, try to delete it. I know if
4: you use archive.org, you can find one of the web pages I built way, way back when, and I never want anyone to ever see it. Because right, it was that bad. But they will forever be able to.
3: Yeah, maybe you well, shouldn't talk about it on podcasts. I'm pretty sure they're, go they're not going to gonna
4: be able to find it.
3: Tens of thousands of people.
4: They Let don't. me
1: guess. You had some, you had a bunch of Rage Against the Machine lyrics <laughs> and uh, it, it auto-played midis.
4: Yeah, you're and, so close. You're so am I close. close? Am yeah. No, you're really far away. I wrote, I, I made some web pages for a particular company I worked for. Ah. Which is, unless you know the company I worked for that I'm specifically referring to, that's why you're never going to find that particular web page. And you shouldn't. It was terrible. It was... It was about. Lauren, as bad as we're going to find these. We
1: go look on his LinkedIn profile. We can figure out what company it was. I, so. I
3: already found some lobster baseball stuff. So yeah, we can. Uh. That,
4: that comes from uh, you almost got a spit take, Lauren. I know. You almost got a legitimate oh, spit take. Oh, coffee. And uh, yeah, that okay. comes from a pre-episode conversation. No, that was actually in the episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I can't keep track anymore. All this Dungeons & Dragons saving throw talk we had uh, okay, earlier. Okay, no, hold on. I've got a question.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Joe. So hold on. If the Common Crawl is trying to preserve and make accessible continuously updated
4: snapshots of the web. Right, huge Where ones. on
1: earth are they going to, like, store that and make it available?
4: Right, because it's not going to fit on, like, a, a thumb drive.
1: So where... I think it's also funny that that sort of becomes part of the web. Like, <laughs> the web now incorporates a snapshot of the previous web.
4: And so it just gets that much larger. So, yeah, where is this stuff living?
3: Uh, it is all living on Amazon's web services. Uh, specifically, it's it's stored in Amazon's Simple Storage Service, or S3, as it is sometimes known. Mm-hmm. And you can analyze it via Amazon's Elastic Compute Cloud, where, or EC2. And... This is so cool, guys, because because, OK, g- given Amazon's web service scope, it means that practically anyone in the whole world can download entire crawls for free or can if they don't want to, you know, use 168 terabytes of of space, they can they can just use EC2 to really easily run simple data crunches for like an hourly charge, like anywhere from a few bucks to maybe $50 for Pretty simple computations. Mm-hmm. So, I, and of, and of course, more savvy users can write their own code to investigate stuff with. But, uh, but, but, yeah, for, for the common user, mm-hmm. this is revolutionary.
4: Yeah, to me, this is. Uh, I mean, obviously, I would I would recommend doing the approach where you're you're searching on Amazon stuff. I can't imagine the phone call you would get from your internet service <laughs> provider. <laughs> I see you're trying to download 168 terabytes worth of data <laughs> over our lines. <laughs> You have gone significantly over your bandwidth cap.
3: Yeah, uh and and they can do all of this because Amazon has specifically chosen to waive their storage fees for for this and a handful of other things that they consider to be of wide public interest like a, like like weather and census data.
4: And it's that's incredible, right? Yeah. I mean cuz you are talking about a significantly huge amount of data. So to say, you know, this this is so important and so potentially beneficial to mankind that we're not going to End up, you know, charging these, these storage fees for it. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very uh, encouraging. So when we get down to, alright, well what can you actually use all that data for? Well, just think about the stuff that's on the web and pretty much anything you could think of that, you know, you a question you might have that could not be answered through a simple search query you could potentially answer by leveraging this information so uh you know we're talking about everything from a uh, lot lots of stuff that deals with ai actually like you were mentioning earlier joe yeah stuff like developing better natural language uh, algorithms so that the the machines of the future can understand a wider variety of inputs And make meaningful connections between that input and the desired output. So in other words, I could talk to my computer or my phone as if it were a person. And no matter how I might word things in my own quirky way, the machine understands what I mean. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not responding to what I say versus or it's more responding to what I mean, which would be awesome. also stuff like uh, speech recognition, um, emerging global trends. We mentioned that, you know, let's say that you wanted to track the outbreak of a disease and to try and get at, you know, where did this start? How can we prevent this from happening again? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That can be really useful. And sometimes you're tracking this through uh, not like official documents. Oh,
3: sure, but through, uh, you know, people on Twitter saying, oh, I have the flu.
4: Right, yeah, it might be, it might be social media, it could be news reports, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be all these different completely separate pieces that would be way too hard for you to put together on your own.
3: Uh, sure, uh, we did a whole episode once about, uh, financial. Purposes for big data, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, play, play in the stock markets and all that.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is this is really important stuff, and we're going to see a lot more of uh, examples of people leveraging big data, especially now that it's outside the realm of just mega corporations, right? Where we can see people or researchers who have interest in all sorts of different fields. Taking advantage of this massive amount of information that we continue to accumulate day after day. And, uh, that's really exciting. It, It makes me think of having access to the best research librarians In the world all boiled into the largest library you can imagine. That's essentially what we're talking about here. So, uh, very exciting. And the common crawl is pretty inspirational. It's one of those things where you realize it took a lot of determination to make that become a reality and the potential benefit. And it also is incredibly forward thinking. Oh, yeah. To be all the way back in what 2008 and putting this together. And that was before we had really developed sophisticated tools that could leverage it properly. Now we're getting to see that as big data has become an industry unto itself. I mean, it's really exciting now. So it, thank goodness that <laughs> the idea was, was implemented long enough, long ago enough for it to actually have, uh, a, you know, uh, an established presence. And now we can really see how we can take advantage of it yeah yeah so uh and
3: Elbaz is such a such a fascinating dude i i uh, found so many interesting interviews and stuff with him i i think that we should maybe maybe not on this show but maybe if you'd want to do a text episode episode kind of focus on on him yeah
4: that would be kind of cool yeah i love to do episodes where we are able to look at uh influential figures in technology on that show so that'd be fantastic i will add that to the list uh, so the common crawl is really an interesting project. If you have not looked into it, go check it out. Um, you know, cause it may be one of those things that could come in handy if you're working on a, a research project. If you are just curious about how big data is going to continue to have a huge impact in our lives, go, go seek that yeah. out.
3: Yeah. Uh, it's a, you can find them at a uh, common org. Yep. And uh, if you if you're into making donations to nonprofit organizations that are tax deductible, you can do that thing, too.
4: That's pretty cool. All right, guys, that wraps up this discussion. If you have any suggestions for future topics for forward thinking, you should let us know. Send us an email. That address is FWThinking at HowStuffWorks.com or drop us a line on Facebook. Twitter or Google Plus. At Twitter and Google Plus, we are FW Thinking. Just search FW Thinking in Facebook and we will pop right up. Leave us a message. We read all of them. We look forward to hearing from you and you'll hear from us again really soon.
0: For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com.